Hello and welcome to the Zwift, the SBS podcast. As the days get longer, I'm looking forward to riding the roads again, but I couldn't be happier with the work I've put in on Zwift over the winter to keep in shape. Having completed so many of their Fun is Fast event series, I know that when I venture back out onto the road again, I'm ready to climb mountains, push through fondos, and speed through intervals. And the workouts, they're all still available. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Get a free seven-day trial at Zwift.com. Ride on. Bonjour, bonjour, and buenas tardes, and welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Before we start, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral, or log a ride with our good friends at Zwift. Joining me, Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? I'm here. Can you believe episode six? I can't believe anything now. Really? Can I tell you anything? Yeah, okay. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff, mate. I've been fooling you for two years, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, stage six. We're almost a third of the way through our final Grand Tour. And, uh, but don't, don't wish them away. Don't wish them away because, you know, it's so good to do them, but they're going to go like this, and then we're going to stop doing those live podcasts. Well, it's the last that. one until the next one. I know, I know, so I know. But still, it's all don't good. wish them away. And, don't uh, at some point, we need a break from each other. <laughs> yeah, come on. We, That's what you it, think. It's, it's, you know... We've got the, the mayor of crazy town here and the village idiot all in one. So that's what you think. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we've uh, no relation. <laughs> we've got a good Speaking guest. Of village idiots. <laughs> we've got Pat Shaw with us today. How are you, Pat? Oh, I'm great, guys. It's um, it's fantastic to be back on. And, and you're right, Christoph. Let's enjoy this uh, entertainment while it lasts. And gee, I tell you what, the Grand Tours have done a fantastic and the organisers have done a fantastic uh, effort this entire period to keep it COVID safe for the riders, the staff, really handled it great. And to think that we've delivered a tour of Italy, a tour of de France, and now the tour of Spain, and so far so good. It, it really is um, quite impressive. And I mean, a lot of sports have struggled to continue during COVID. And wow, well, the world of cycling shown that it's no problem. Uh, well, this thus far anyways, and um, certainly it's worthwhile entertainment for us to watch. Uh, yeah, absolutely, uh, Pat. Now, uh, look, first things first, have you gone out and bought a Lamborghini with all those bikes that you've sold? Because the bike industry is booming. Shore Cycles up in Ballarat. Come on, just tell us, really. Give us some numbers. Give us some, you know, what's going on? No, well, the cycling industry is still pumping along quite well, and I think it's a very positive thing. I mean, MAGA, we've been in Europe. I mean, Christophe, you're French. We know what the cycling culture is like in, in Europe, and one day I fantasise that we'll have that culture here in our great country, but uh, seeing more young kids on bikes, and, you know, I'm in the industry. We own a family business that sells bikes, but I really do love seeing people out and exercising regardless of what they're doing. Um, but it's also a really great time to be together without, you know, your electronics, your iPads, your, your gaming systems, et cetera, and the great family venture. So, um, yes, the industry's doing really well, Macca, but more importantly, the health of our, our, our people in the town is getting better too because they're all out riding. Yeah, yeah good stuff, good uh, stuff. Before we start uh, looking at the stage last night and what's going to happen uh, tonight, Pat, there's a Polkadot jersey just behind you. If you've seen yeah. the Tour de France, I'm a massive advocate for Polkadots <laughs> at the Tour and on Grand Tours, but this one is a little special, I believe. Yes, that's uh, Simon Clark's um, jersey from when he won with uh, Orica Greenedge back in the day. 
Um, also, emphatically, he won the stage that year where he beat Tony Martin in a two-up finish mountaintop. And there's a, a lot of great stories about that, actually, probably that I'm privy to. But certainly Simon had to fight a long way to the finish line to get that jersey on his own. And um, an incredible performance it was. Um, there's a nice little message on the back, but we might save that for another podcast. <laughs> so, uh, hey, hey, please back me up on this one. We want a king of the mountain at the Tour de France. You want a white and red one on your left shoulder in your shop. From an Australian. From an Australian, yeah, from an Australian. Yeah, yeah, look, it's something, it's a classification that um, Aussies aren't too renowned for targeting, but um, certainly, I mean, maybe. Maybe that's the opportunity. I guess uh, Australians are really renowned for either being the leader of a team or really good domestic um, or lead-out man or sprinter. So it's not often we see those opportunities. And um, even in this case, when Simon did win the polka dot jersey or the King of the Mountains jersey, he really had to really fight hard. And it's probably the hardest polka dot jersey to win, to be quite honest. I want this. I want this to happen. I'm start, I've started a campaign anyway. Oh, I've done his head in. I've done his head in. No, you're right. I love it. I think there's actually salty cyclists that describe us as an old married couple. <laughs> <laughs> if only you knew. <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> he only goes by salty cyclist. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It's a bit salty. Very, very salty. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's talk about the uh, Vuelta, the stage yesterday. Uh, what did you make of this? There's so much to unpack in the stage. And it's interesting because when you look at the how the stage could have happened, it was a bit boring. It was a bit boring to start with. But yeah. then after that, crash and then a good finish. Uh, it, yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was strange in the sense that it was. It was, I'm calling it with, of course, uh, the number one man in the business, Matty Keenan. And, you know, it was that typical three-rider breakaway it went away. We looked at each other and went, oh dear, we're in for a long night. But they were moving along fairly quickly. And then what was just, dis it was disappointing, was that massive crash. They yeah. brought them back, 13 kilometres to go, I think it was, Pat. And I know yeah. crashes is part of it. We all know that. We, know, we all know that's part of the gig. And for whatever reason, this one just, oh, it you, just... You, you said it, to me you didn't like this crash. So yeah, first I, of all, I thought... How many crashes do you actually like? But no, you don't you like any of them. Like. I just felt for the riders, it's yeah. been a pretty tough year of crashes. I mean, look at the two we had, Shory, in the Tour de France, the two big ones, yeah. that is. And this one was very similar in terms of the numbers. Like, we're talking half of the peloton. And mm. the fact that Rain Terame loses the red. Roman Bardet, yeah. he just looked, oh, he didn't look good. Um, no. Mikel Nieve, it's pretty brutal, isn't it? It, it, it is. I guess there's always like different components to the story too. I always uh, look at these as stories. And uh, Roman Bardet, for example, this really offers opportunities for DSM to go up the road and go for stages now. I mean, Darnese finished third in the sprint, which I really was really impressed with because I'm a big fan of Darnese. I think we're not even seeing a glimmer of what he's going to offer in two to three years' time. And um, so th that was a positive for them out of a negative. Um, I also think it offers the young Aussies that are on DSM to now go in search of stages. I don't particularly think tonight's stage, uh, stage six, is one of those, but certainly later in the in the welter. Yeah. It, it's disappointing, Maga, and to think that, um, and for those that didn't know, but uh, with the... Um, the ban of tramadol's use in the peloton was directly uh, related to the amount of crashes that were occurring. They felt that it was making athletes uh, less concentrated in the field. It really proves it's probably had nothing to do a bit with it in the end. That, in fact, road surface, speed, heat, 
uh, and the normal things that affect our concentration, even if we were driving in a car, uh, is really the reasons for why these crashes happen. And, you know, uh, Ken, Kenny Ellison, um, which in fairness, I really like he's moved into the jersey. Terrible circumstances, but how much has he done for his Trek Segafredo teammates in the Grand Tour already this year, particularly Tour de France, where he tried his guts out for Borka Momolama to get him a stage victory. Um, but, yeah, it's really sad for Rain Tarame, who finally got to sit in the limelight after a long time in the back, uh, in the shadows, should I say. And um, he hasn't had the best of luck in the jersey, but I'm sure he'll still have fond memories. Hey, just I just want to go back for a second. Are you serious about the Tremadol why they yeah. banned, or that was part of the reason why the UCI banned. And what, forgive my ignorance, and I'm being serious, what's, what is Tremadol? What's it meant to do? So, Tremadol is, is just a more, more precise painkiller that can uh, take away the effects of muscle soreness, or maybe uh, if a rider's uh, injured in a fall. Um, quite strong, generally administered, say, after you've had some form of surgery or you've had a uh, maybe a, a trauma incident to take away the pain. But it does have a, uh, a very uh, sleepy effect on um, a lot of people. Some people react to it differently, a little bit like um, uh, uh, other painkillers. Some people will get nauseous on it. Um, and the riders would generally use caffeine as a balance uh, to balance out the two. But... There was some really bad falls, particularly Cavendish, if you remember, when he had those really bad falls and was hindered um, a few years back when basically we thought his career was over. And a lot of that, they were suggesting that potentially Tramadol and its use in Grand Tours, particularly after two or three weeks, could have been making mm. these riders make mm. poor decisions in the moment, uh, delayed reaction and, and such. But uh, certainly... What we would have believed then and we still know now is that it is the speed and the road surfaces and the wind and, and things that are sort of out of the individual's control of what the person left of them six inches or in front of them eight inches does in a certain circumstance. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's unpack the crash uh, first of all before we go into the, uh, the 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 winner of the stage and so on. And then let's listen to someone that was just caught out in uh, in this in this crash. It's uh, Jordi Meuse, the Belgian. I think so. Well, Jordi, tell, tell us before to talk about the sprint. There was a, a huge crash, which disrupted the bunch. What what did happen? How it went after? Uh, it was super nervous because of uh, there was chance on um, on crosswinds. And uh, yeah, I think two riders touched each other and that caused a massive crash. Um, I hope everyone who is involved is okay. And after was actually, then the stress was over because we took it a bit more easy. Um, and then uh, it was too focused on to the final uh, sprint. It was super fast and hectic coming into the city. And uh, yeah, in the end I just uh, didn't have the, the best legs to sprint anymore. So uh, uh, the team did a, did a good job to put me in, in good position. But uh, in the end, I was never in it for the win, unfortunately. So that was from one of the riders that was uh, just caught out by, uh, by, uh, by this crash. Uh, you mentioned, Pat, that uh, the leader's jersey has changed. So Rain Tarami has lost his uh, red jersey, his leader's jersey. Let's listen from him because he was caught in that crash. Yeah, yeah, I was happy with these two days and uh, I have Victor in my pocket. I'm not so sad to lose this jersey. We give it everything to the team and he was well positioned. 
but the crash, crash was in the front one. It's always my goal not crash on the races. But uh, when you have this leader jersey, you have to stay really the front, and uh, the front crash is happening. Crash is never happening in the back, so. What, what did you think right when you went down? Uh, actually, I wanted to go fast up, but there was so many guys on me that it took at the. There was only screaming and yelling each other, and I was down. I can't move a long time, so I was like waiting just there, like that. And this is make me mad that it was no possible to go up fast. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I have somewhere deep inside. I feel head pain. I hope it's okay, but otherwise it's okay. That was Rain Tarame. Hey, Pat, what did you make of the few days Rain Tarame had in the Reds? Because the way he claimed that jersey was really heroic. And then he was going to keep it. And he knew he was potentially going to lose it probably tonight, actually. Uh, but on the next day. But that would have come very soon. But what did you make of his as, as his passage as, as a leader of the Vuelta? Well, I think first and foremost, you look at from the perspective that he probably um, takes it from. And that is... Rain Taramay never expected to lead the Vuelta under any circumstances and probably didn't expect to win a stage. So, as he said, he's got his pocket full with a, a stage victory already. He didn't have the best of luck. I mean, who rides two days in the leader's jersey crashes twice? Not too many. Um, I'm disappointed for that fact for him, but I'm so excited that after years of, as I said, sitting in the shadows, he really got back in the limelight. And for those that really like to do like tipping throughout the Vuelta, I still see him as a chance to win another stage. I generally find in these uh, late, uh, generally the Vuelta, a rider that wins a stage early generally can win another one later on. So his legs are obviously good. He's not injured from the crash. I think he'd be very excited and his team would be absolutely ecstatic. Yeah, I think you're spot on actually, Pat. And and the fact that he's had two crashes, yeah. he hasn't, and he the first one was inside the 3K, so he was okay to make the, the um, time cut. So he dodged a bullet there. Dodged a bullet. He crashed at 50, 60 kilometers an hour. They're flying. Yeah. And then yesterday's one, I mean, you, we saw Bardet, we saw Mikel Nieve, the red jersey. He, he lands on the bottom. They all land on <laughs> top of him, and he's somehow okay. Like, it's insane. Really, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm totally well. We have a we had a winner, of course, of the stage yesterday, and he's won at the, the Vuelta before. Uh, and this year is Jasper uh, Philipson. Uh, let's listen to him, and then we'll have your reaction, Pat, on, on him. Jasper, exactly the scenario you wanted? Yeah, of course. Uh... Yeah, it makes it even more beautiful if you uh, see the final 5k. How we were there together, all with the team. Yeah, that I cannot describe that, but actually we're just uh, this team. Yeah, we're uh, not riding so long together, but yeah, it's incredible what they all do for each other. And I think uh, this is so beautiful uh, that we can finish it off all together. What does it mean for you to have not only one, but already two victories? Yeah, of course, uh, after yesterday I was a bit disappointed that I couldn't do my sprint like we wanted, but uh, yeah, all to uh, win today is super nice to turn the page from yesterday and just to enjoy uh, this moment together with the team. You also went for the intermediate sprint to get uh, the green jersey. How important is that for you? Yeah, it's not particularly that I'm already thinking about uh, the end of the vault and the green jersey, but of course it's super nice to try to, to wear it uh, day by day and then 
we will just see how far we can get. And possibly win the next sprint with the green jersey? Yeah, that will be a dream, of course. Uh, yesterday it didn't bring me so much luck. So uh, let's hope it will uh, in the next sprint. Proficiat. Thank you. So that was uh, Jasper Philipsen. Hey, what do you make of his performance on this Vuelta? But also, what do you make of the performance of the Alpacine Phoenix team all across the year? Let's remember that they are not... And Jay Vine. And Jay Vine yeah. as well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, because you know Jay Vine very well. But uh, what do you make of the performance of that team across the year? Let's remember that they're not a World Tour team. So they are invited. They were invited at the Giro, invited at the Tour, and here invited. And they are... I mean, they are doing the goods. Well, first, first, let's kick off with Jay Vine. I think he's, he's just shown that uh, the Zwift Academy is a legitimate process to the um, the World Tour racing. And I think we'll see exciting things from him later in the tour when the, the terrain starts to go quite high. Uh, really excited about what he's been able to achieve. I mean, it's it's one thing to get to where he's got, but now to be putting it. And his performances so far this year have been really good and encouraging as well. So we obviously wish him the best as an Aussie. Uh, as far as Alps and Phoenix have gone as a team, I think for the whole year they've really been underwritten. They have a really good quality cast in their team. And as Jasper said, he's really impressed with how the team fights for one another. And I think sometimes when you have a few, well, obviously Matthew Van der Poel is a huge name, um, but when you have riders of sort of the second tier that are not so much in the limelight, they really don't mind sacrificing as much for each other. And it's almost for a cause for the greater good of everyone rather than just for an individual rider. And you've seen that all year. I mean, the lead out work that Philipson did in uh, the Tour de France. And then he comes here with such form. I'm really excited for him because um, I've always liked him as a rider, even since he's under 23 racing to a Lavinier, et cetera. Um, but also in third place last night was Alberto Danese. And he is an exceptional talent as well. I mean, these are the future sprinting stocks that are coming through and, and certainly the challenges for Caleb Ewan in the next sort of five years of his career too, as he takes up that role of mature sprinter and these younger sprinters come through. So oh, they're really impressive. I think it's um, exceptional what they've been able to achieve for the year. And just incidentally, uh, Philipson's only 23. Yeah. I remember him two, three years ago, Pat and Christoph. He, he came to tour down under and he won his first World Tour race because Caleb got DQ'd for, for elbowing him out of the way. And I'll never forget it because I, it, was, it was so awkward because I was doing the stage presentation. Caleb flies in, and obviously I'm super wrapped for Caleb thinking he's won. Next minute I was told not to go out on stage because there was a protest. Philipson, enter Philipson. They're both in the green room. Caleb's <laughs> looking over at Philipson. And I was just like, oh, I think I'll walk off here. And um, But that was how he got his first victory. And then he sort of, he didn't go missing, but I guess he got lost a bit in the growth of UAE, which we now know is all about Pogacar. But he's back and he, I'm with you himself, Danese, Caleb, uh, Grunewagen, as Matty Kay pointed out last night, they are, they're the generation now. They're not the yeah. next gen. They're right now. But they are, they're the battles, aren't they? 
Yeah, and you can't undermine the um, okay. He, he definitely hasn't had his best legs in the last sort of four years. But Sasha Modelo, he's a he's a real talented sprinter, and he may never have really hit his peak and stayed there for very long. But certainly, as an intelligent rider and, and sprinter IQ, I tell you what, driving the ship through that final part, he he's fantastic. And uh, the Italian is a is a very talented rider in his own right. But um, yeah, look, they, they've done a really big uh, season, and I think that. Have really uh, punched well and truly above their weight. Yeah, yeah. And, and last question on them. Actually, the we keep on talking about uh, Mathieu van der Poel, but how do you make the impact of a guy like Mathieu van der Poel and everything he brings? And I'm not just talking about physically, but I'm talking mentally. I'm talking the hype, the media, everything that is around. How do you think this is impacting guys like Philipsen, but also guys like Javine and, and in develop in their development and and how far? they can reach and what they can reach. Uh, I mean, Macro will understand this when I say it as well. It's just given them legitimacy. Um, unfortunately, in the World Tour races, there's always teams that get a little bit bullied. Um, notably in the past, it's sort of been your AG2R and your Coppitis, unfortunately. But um, certainly, Alps and Phoenix doesn't look like that. And from the, from the word go, they've been happy to ride the front. And you don't see that a lot from the lower teams. What you'll find is that even if they do think they can win the stage, they sit back in the shadows. And I think they carry Matthew Venable's ego uh, as a group. And I think it's worked really good for them. And, you know, I mean, it's very good when you've got a rider in your team like Matthew who can go out and win races willy-nilly and give you that legitimacy. But it also gives those other riders comfort and confidence that they belong to a winning team. Not just a team, but a winning team. And uh, when you're beating the best, you are part of the best. And uh, I, I, I think that that's really been the key to their success because they don't feel like they're a small fish in a big pond. In fact, they feel like they're exactly the same size fish as the others, and I think it's exciting. And uh, Matthew Vanderpoel, by the way, you're spot on, Shory. He w literally can win it willy-nilly. That's yeah. what he does. He yeah. just willy-nilly <laughs> goes out and wins. <laughs> yeah, awful, but that depends. <laughs> uh, look, guys, 22 minutes in this podcast. We have a Frenchman in the leader's jersey, and I haven't banged about it yet. All what's, right, what's, going on. On? what's going on? What's going on? The table is yours. The, the camera is yours. Well, actually, actually the massage table is mine. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Let's listen it? to uh, Kelly Ellison. He's the new leader of the Vuelta. Uh, Ren is, is a really nice guy and he, he deserved the, the jersey when he won in uh, the top of the mountain. But uh, yeah, as we know, it's a cycling and uh, today I was not expecting to take the jersey with a crash. But I was still in, a, in the back of my mind trying to be in a good position with uh, the Echelon because of a, of a split, you know, uh, we never know. It could have um, been a split, this is why when the crash happened actually I was in a good position. And uh, yeah, at first I was more scared because uh, I heard in the radio Chico was not, uh, was not straight in the first group. So I was like, oh, um, maybe we should, I should wait, and because I didn't know that Rain was in a crash, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, it's it's always uh, unfortunately. I mean, on this stage with a lot of nerves, uh, everything can happen. So this is why the position is uh, so important. Uh, yeah, it's not my cup of tea, obviously, the Ashland, but uh, yeah, today I say, okay, I really try to to be in good position. We never know. Um, if there is a split behind, maybe if I am in a, in a, 
in a good good side of the split maybe I can take the jersey and uh, it would have been nicer in this way than uh, than rain crashed the, the red jersey but uh, yeah I'm, I'm still uh, obviously um, sad for Taramai but also happy for me he's happy for, for himself also uh, not his cup of tea with a coffee brand as a sponsor yeah quite interesting <laughs> anyway he's <laughs> um, he sad he's not He's not too he's sad. Not too sad. <laughs> he's, sad. <laughs> he's got the red jersey. Would have liked to have taken it legitimately in the crossbin, but, but I'll take it. But uh, Pat, actually, question for you: How does he? How should he feel about this one? Because that's probably his first leader's jersey in a Grand Tour. It's a great time for him. It's a reward. It's actually an amazing reward for the amazing job he's done for Trek all across the year at the Tour de France. We, mm. we saw him. He's, he's a workhorse. So in his own right, he deserves that jersey. But there's still that little feeling that he probably doesn't belong. How how, how should he feel about this? Oh, uh, you know, he was only just behind Rain Tarame in the state, so I think he certainly deserves it. And um, but also, we're not even taking into account the years of sacrifice at Team Sky either. I mean, he's thrown a lot away, a lot of opportunities for the greater good of his teammates in the past. Uh, you know, I really like him. He's such a kind-hearted guy, and he always has been, even when they came out for the Sun Tour a couple of years ago. Kenny's always up for a chat and, and a really nice guy. But, you know, he says it's not his cup of tea, but it, he actually does ride in those conditions really well for a small guy, particularly for his total weight. Um, he, he really does a great job. I think that's probably Team Sky Days that helps him with that. Look, he's deserved of wearing the jersey. Rain Taramay's not bitter. He's sorry that rain crashed. Um, unfortunately for Kenny, I think it's going to be short-lived, though, guys, because tonight's stage is an absolute beauty. Yeah, absolutely. And do you, do you think that could, I mean, question for you also, Maka, do you think that could give him aspiration going forward, saying, hey, actually, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking good in a little jersey? He, look, he could get through. He could get it. He, he could hang on tonight. There's an outside chance. It's not a 10-kilometre mountain. We'll get to that. Yeah. We're going to get to that shortly. Um, oh, it, you, you know, the jersey makes you ride like two men or women. That's yeah. what that's the old saying in, in pro cycling, I'm talking more in, in the years to come. Can he start thinking, hey, you know what? I can actually do no. a bit more than just being a domestic. No, I, don't, I mean, how old is he now, Alessandro? I've got no idea. I, I, I know he's 1 meter 64 and 52 <laughs> he weighs kilos. about 50 kilograms <laughs> ringing wet. We know that much. I don't know his age. Um, no, I look, I think he's... I think that's... He's a domestic, yeah. and he he's had his few opportunities. He's not a Grand Tour rider. He's not a great time trialist. He's a good climber, but he's not doesn't climb with the best. Um, he's not bad for his size in the crosswind. Look, he was ahead of Rain Taramay, who was towards the front. He was right near the front, um, yeah. Kenny. Yeah. So he deserves, you know, he yeah. deserves to 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 take that jersey, doesn't he? Yeah, I, I think, uh, Christoph, probably more importantly, this particular welter, he's got to give it a crack now for the GC and just see. Maybe it's just that little bit of a, a box he wants to tick, uh, see how far he can go. I mean, if he cracks and loses 10 minutes at some stage, well, then he goes back to fighting for stages. But if any tour is going to suit him, it's a really hilly tour like the welter. And, yes, there's time trial kilometres, but there's guys he's going to absolutely put big time into in the mountains that he will then lose that time in the contrail. Maybe he can weigh out and he runs a top 10 or 15 GC. I mean, it's a huge accomplishment for a guy who's going to spend most of his career as a domestic. 
Yeah, he's uh, he's thirty, by the way. Thirty. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's have a look at uh, the uh, the GC. So Kenny Ellison, yay! French flag on top. <laughs> it's not often that happens. So I'm gonna go yay on this oh, one. Oh mate, uh, mate, soak it up. <laughs> so, it won't last long. So enjoy. I know, but that's why. That's why I'm going here. So yay, French flag on top. Uh, we got Primoz Roglic. Yeah. Okay. He's just behind at five <laughs> seconds. And another Frenchman, Lydia Kamerjan, is that uh, Kamerjan is third as well. So, yeah. Double yeah. Kamerjan. Kamerjan can. Still get a stage win too. Yeah. I think he tactically, you know, we don't want to harp on about it, but I thought he blew it uh, that stage that Taramay yeah, won. He's won so, a lot of times. Yeah, he, yeah, he was too eager, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, a bit yeah, of a yeah. loose cannon. But as well. but he'll, no, he, he can get one. Even in France, we actually classifying a bit of a loose cannon. So. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you turn anyway, on your own, do you? Yeah. <laughs> Not all of them. <laughs> but this, these are the, the leaders' jersey. So, yes, uh, we've seen the red jersey, green jersey. Uh, then uh, Tami actually keeps the king of the mountain. And Bernal is still in the white jersey. Uh, surprise here. Any surprises, Pat, on, uh, on these jerseys? I mean, we're early days. So, for the sprint and for the, for the polka dot or the king of the mountains, it's um, still a very big race all the way to the finish. Uh, Philipson looks pretty strong, though, and I find that uh, he's going to be difficult to beat in that classification. Rain Taramay, well, he's got no reason not to put all Philly's boots with as many King of the Mountain points as possible. But typically, we'll see someone probably more on the GC front probably take that jersey later on. Um, it's a nice consolation prize for him after his bad luck the last few days. Um, but, yeah, so there's no real big surprises there at the moment. I reckon Taramay can win the KOM. To the end. Simon Clark, as yeah. you said, I mean, it was a, quite a few years ago now. Simon Clark won it. I think Taramay, on paper, he's a better climber than, we, than someone like Simon Clark, I mean. And I know racing's changed even since then, but I, I actually reckon if he gets in the breaks, like once he loses his GC position, I think Taramay can go in the moves and go for that. But jersey. then you still have yeah. guys like Roglic that could also collect it because he's going to collect the red. Oh, totally. In, in this, but, that, so... but that's the same in any tour, yeah. as we know. Yeah. Um, you know, but no, I think I think it's actually, I think it's something realistic. I yeah. guess is okay. fair to say. Okay, it's probably we've been about it. So, go for no, it. Uh, we talked about the stage tonight. Tonight's stage is a must-watch, and for many reasons, and not just because of the profile. If we look at the profile here, it's <laughs> you know, how do you describe this profile? And you well, know the area very well. I as well. do know the area well. I spent a season living down in this area. Um, it's got breakaway written all over it at the start. Yeah. And then the question is, how much time will that break get? Will they keep it in check to bring it back for the finale? And then this final climb, it's only Category 3. It's just over two kilometres in length. They raced up it in the Vuelta Valenciana in 2020. Pogacar won the stage. It was it's an early season. Climb, though. It's a tough climb. It averages yeah. over 8%, but it is tough. I... I Sure, I was initially thinking Michael Matthews maybe, just because it's only a bit over two kilometres, but now I've actually seen some vision of the steepness. I just don't think so. I've got to say, if you were looking at it just plain and simply as a, uh, a race profile, Michael Matthews was all over it. Um, uh, but uh, And maybe even Astaburi from uh, from uh, the Spanish team. Um it's it's a lot harder, and particularly the run-in, the narrow roads. We're going to have wind tonight. I'm not going to say the E word because it's been thrown around so much and we've had barely any echelons, really. Nothing of significance, <laughs> although the crash last night, let's be sensitive. Uh, I, I, I just think that the run-in 
particularly the last time they go down that narrow road between the farmland, Macca, it's only six kilometres from the climb itself proper. You're not going to have time to move up. You know, it's 55-plus kilometres an hour from that point forward. There could be some real genuine splits tonight, and in that case, it's going to be very edgy. Uh, I think we're going to be seeing a push of pace from the peloton early to be in position for those final lap. Um, I think you're right. The break will get away. I don't think they're going to have enough to survive. And it's a Roglic stage. If they get to the bottom and he's there, he, he wins nine times out of ten. Maybe Yates mm. can put something on the table, but I really think Roglic. And also from a GC uh, perspective, how much time does Roglic think he needs on Bernal week three? Because Bernal's going to get question. better. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe. We, we don't know, do we? We don't know. And I like the fact that you mentioned uh, Adam Yates as well. I think he, I think he could emerge as the... Uh, this, is, this might sound crazy. <laughs> Bernal, as good as he is, I'm not convinced. And I don't know why, I'm just not convinced. Um, don't believe the hype. He's yeah. in good form. Nah, yeah, he's yeah, in think, good form. We'll see. I think, I think it's like slicing an apple. On a, on a bench top and which way falls the best. Uh, Bernal and Yates, they're going to be equal opportunities. They're both going to have to be aggressive late in the tour to break Roglic down. One of them's going to get away and get a bigger advantage on a, on a a in an easier way. Uh, maybe like a 30 or 40 seconds on a stage that Roglic needs to just take it easy and make sure he doesn't lose too much time to both. Um, who's that going to be? Is it going to be Yates or Bernal? I mean... I'm backing Bernal just because of track history, but uh, it's mm. definitely a vicious combo. And Carapaz can be as aggressive as he wants to be now. Yeah, yeah, and Carapaz is still a danger. Yeah, He's yeah, not absolutely. out of it. Here's another nuts. look at the uh, profile for tonight. Uh, you will be commentating this. Uh, this I will, with um, Matty Kay once again. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. This one, this is going to be a good stage. Yeah, it's agree, going to be agree. hot as well. And uh, let's remember that uh, the uh, Vuelta tonight stage, like every other stage, are available on SBS Viceland every evening on SBS On Demand and also on the Tour Tracker. Uh, there was a question actually earlier, uh, just if we knew that uh, the Vuelta will be broadcasting some of the stages earlier with an earlier start and I believe yeah there are some where you're starting there is, earlier most of them are around thank you for the question most of them are around 10.40 yeah. on the tracker start I think or 10.50 there is one really early one uh, so just check the guides yeah. uh, it'll be on the Cycling Central uh, page I would imagine all the, all the times I'm sure there's a really early one like a 7 o'clock start yeah, but so yeah, that'll be a long one absolutely but the answer to this question is yes we will be broadcasting uh, the stage that are starting earlier basically we're doing as much as we can with as much as we are given mm. so you guys are seeing everything that we have we're not holding back you're seeing we're everything not. that the rest of the world is exactly. seeing by the way we're, we're not only holding back the pictures they, when they get it there yeah. will be no point of us holding back on anything you guys here at sbs are seeing everything that we can show you yeah. uh any other news i believe you know the area maca i do uh, you know the area very well so well that uh, you actually uh live there <laughs> <laughs> a while back oh my god <laughs> so oh. maca with hair you got that off my mate didn't you i did oh, <laughs> i've dear, got my sauce and I was a good journalist. Do you want me to talk you through it? Uh, yeah, so you're on the left here. <laughs> so uh, this is, course, yeah, this hair, is, with, with I know, I, mate, I've still got hair. You've got just as much hair as less. a patcho, no? On this one. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is 1996. So that was the year I spent racing in Spain.
and for a Spanish team. My good, my great friend there on the right, Alan Yacuane, who was a great climber, great sort of um, general classement rider in his days. And our Spanish teammate in the middle is Davide Ruboyo, ah. uh, a great Spanish uh, mate at the time. Um, what's that? 1996. That's saw, 25 years ago. That's, yeah. o- Oasis <laughs> and I was about, believe it or not, I was about 10 kilos heavier <laughs> in that photo, yeah. by the way. And Oasis has just released their first album, just to I put bought, some <laughs> I, this, this is serious. I bought Oasis, the CD, that CD, on my transit through London there on my go. way. It was the only CD I had for the whole eight months. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, any other cycling news now? Uh, there's been a that big news on track. Oh there was a big news on track. Yes, yes. Shory, what about this? Ashton Lambie. He's, yes. he's broken the four-minute four barrier in the individual pursuit. Uh, I've got it here, 359.9. Insane. Yeah, on a 64 front chain ring, 15 rear cog, about 115 inches, I think it worked out to be. Um, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? And 64? Yeah, I think his previous best was 403. So he's taken nearly three and a bit seconds, three and a half seconds off that time. That's fantastic. I mean, the big news for us, though, who cares about some four-minute barrier for an American? Sarah Gigante, three years, Movistar, exceptional news. I think it's fantastic to show that she's signed three years, shows they have absolute confidence in her ability going forward. And what better mentor than Amonique Van Vluten to have uh, by her side, particularly from her general classement um, desires probably going forward in the pro rank. And, yeah. and actually, uh, stay tuned to this podcast because hopefully this week, hopefully, cross fingers, we will be crossing live to Sarah Gigante. So stay tuned because we there's so many questions we want to ask. Yeah. And also, we are pumped for her, so she must be extremely pumped. She's in demand. Happening. She's in demand, yeah. but she knows that we're a number one fan base here. Uh, yeah, it's a great news. Looking forward to that. A little bit of other little tidbit news. The POG reportedly, yeah. today POG Achar, he signed on till 2027, reportedly, I've got it here, 6 million euros per year. It's not bad, is it, Shory? Yeah, I guess um, it's one of those things, isn't it? He's worth absolutely every set why he's the best, mm. and he's worth none of it if he's second best. Yeah. And it, and, and it probably gets him about... Probably takes him up to the lowest paid F1 driver per year. Yeah, roughly, I guess. <laughs> or not even. Yeah, probably. But and a hell of a lot more work, I reckon. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm not saying F1 well, drivers don't work. Yeah. I know you're an F1 fan. I'm an F1 fan. So yeah. they do work differently. That's yeah. all. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, thank you, Pat, for joining us. You'll be uh, coming to us again sometime uh, during the Vuelta, but it's always brilliant and entertaining to have you uh, in, our, in our podcast. So thank you for, for coming today. No, it was fantastic. And right on. I've been back on Swift, guys. Macker, I'm doing about 200k a week. I'm coming for you. Oh, good stuff. <laughs> good to chat, Shuri. Good to see you, mate. See Stay you. well. Thank you, Maka. Thank you. Thank you very much. This was the end. Uh, this is the end of this podcast. This was the uh, Zwift Cycling Central podcast for today. Before we go, uh, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash central or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Until next time, same place, same time tomorrow. It's bye for now. Before we go, a quick word from our sponsor, Zwift. Over the winter, all my motivation comes from taking on their athlete workouts. My favorite is Matthew Vanderpool. Fun is going full gas as he helps build your anaerobic capacity. These training plans have helped me find my best. 
There are workouts from Garant Thomas and Anna Vanderbregen, so every aspect of your riding can be tested, ready for summer. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Visit Zwift.com, and I'll see you on there soon. Ride on.